So I'm going to be in Springfield and then play and then drive 11 hours and then play mm-hmm. and hopefully go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be insane. But anyway, it's just stuff like that where if I had a booking manager, she or he would have been like, are you sure you should do that? Mm-hmm. How about we figure something out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but to me, I'm like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> My name is West Gibbons and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with Daniel Nunnally, a talented musician and one of my childhood best friends. Daniel released his debut EP, Tired Eyes, on July 12th and has been on tour ever since. We discussed the stories behind his songs, the success his music has seen, and that one time we had the cops called on us as 10-year-olds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 27 of the Tungsten Originals Podcast. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. And this is your first time in Savannah as well. Absolutely, man. Well, then welcome to Savannah. It's a beautiful town. You just released the Friday before this podcast comes out, so a week ago, uh, if you're hearing this on the day that it comes out, you released your debut album, Tired Eyes. Oh, yeah. So congrats. Thank you. It's pretty big. Oh, yeah. It's pretty huge. (laughs) And um, you are on like a little tour celebrating that. Uh, And I want to talk about the music and about the tour and everything. But first, I want to explain how we know each other, (laughs) because there are many stories in the history (laughs) of how our lives (laughs) intersect. Um, Do you want to take it away? Yeah. Well, we met in Cenotopia, Mississippi. The big city. Oh, yeah. Massive, (laughs) massive city in Mississippi, (laughs) as there are many of those. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And we went to elementary school together been best friends with West and all throughout grade school and mm-hmm. everything until um I guess the sixth grade. Until we got in that fight. Oh I mean Oh uh, yeah well I guess it. now's the time to talk about I it. I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, y'all moved away. Yeah we moved away. And left me. That was a fight. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> it was so bad that y'all moved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom, we gotta get Mom, out. I can't deal with him anymore. <laughs> it's just West. Yeah. So y'all, like, we had something in common because both of our parents, or both of our mothers were teachers yes. at the middle school. Yeah. So I forget, like, how we initially became friends. Yeah. I think it was just, like, you go to school with people and you become friends with them. Absolutely. And, like, every Tuesday they would have, like, some teachers meeting and our moms mm-hmm. would have to stay. I remember we would have the whole middle school to ourselves because <laughs> <laughs> no one was there and we would just run around long hallways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we would just like throw tennis balls down the hallways oh, and yeah. stuff. Lots of four square. Yes. By the playground. Yes. With a ginormous, the like ginormous exercise ball. ball. Yeah. yeah. That was the best. Yeah. Every kid's dream. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, there are many stories <laughs> and you actually have, you have a twin, David. <laughs> yeah. Shout out David. If you're listening. And we were like a little trio. Yes. And <laughs> got in trouble in as many ways oh, yeah. as we could. Little troublemakers. Should we tell the car story? I'd love to tell the Dude, car story. Dude, I think we should. And you tell it pretty well because okay, thank you. I, I forgot that that had happened. Yeah. But I, I feel like you guys are the bad guy, but I'm also the bad guy <laughs> in a true. way in the story. I think, so. I think that's why I remember it so well because I was like me and David Hating were me. in the wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so... There is this one time that you and David were staying with me at my grandmother's house because my parents were out of town and y'all were just staying for like a weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. 
And we're in Cenotopia, and there is nothing to do. Of course. <laughs> and we were walking to the library, and we passed by this, like, basically junkyard. Mm-hmm. If we're being, if if everyone is being honest, oh, yeah. it's it was. a junkyard. Yes, absolutely. And there, it was right next to the train tracks, and so there are rocks galore. <laughs> oh, yes. <dude. laughs> and, and there was one car that was unscathed. It was obviously old and, like, run down, but... Uh, all the windows were still there, which <laughs> would uh, soon change. <laughs> and oh, no. we like walked to the library and then we walked back to my grandmother's house and they were like, we're going to go to the library again because we were like, we want to go break things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we want to go throw rocks Not at that okay car. At also, all. at this point, we're like fourth grade or something. Oh, yeah. They have, like, that's important. <laughs> that's yeah, important this part wasn't of the like story. last year. <laughs> yeah. We were. It was sick, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we were very dumb kids. And yeah. uh, we went there and you didn't want to participate. Mm-mm. You stayed up on the hill on the other side of the train tracks yes. while David and I stayed and literally just picked up huge rocks. <laughs> just broke the windows uh. of this car. And then the owner of the property drives up. And we totally could have run away oh, and yeah. gotten lost quickly. Oh, yeah. But David and I just froze. Yes. Like in our tracks. Yes. He was this guy. He like owned it and he started like chastising us and stuff. And he called the cops. It and like, all right, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> what we did was wrong and dumb. And we caused yes. a lot of damage to his property. Side note, it's a junkyard. So mm-hmm. you're not going to fix up that car. Let's be honest. Yeah. And like you call the cops. And some fourth graders. So the cop came and was just like, okay, yeah, you did something wrong. I think he wrote something down, but you're like 11, I mean, yeah. so it's not like you have a record. <laughs> like, no, like, yeah. And then he called my grand, my grandmother. I remember him looking through the phone book for her phone number, and I was like, I can just tell you her phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And she came and picked us up, and she was more mad at him calling the police <laughs> really? than she was at us. I mean, she was obviously unhappy with us, but yeah, like, of course. it was kind of ridiculous to call the police on some kids. Some 10-year-olds. Doing dumb kid stuff. <laughs> but I yeah. remember David and I were talking to him, and uh, they asked some question of like, are you all alone or whatever? And we were like, well, there's his brother. But like, <laughs> I remember making, I was like, Daniel didn't do anything wrong. Like, I didn't want you to get That's in trouble. That's so nice I was of like, you. He literally... Just stayed up there and watched because you yeah. knew that it was a stupid idea. Yeah. And at the time, it felt like the biggest deal in the world. Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were bringing up that story earlier, and I was just like, oh, my God, that was seriously an issue. I mean, I remember us sitting. I don't know if you remember this or not, and I can't remember if you were there, but we were sitting, I think, at your grandparents' yeah. house on the stairs. Yeah. And, like, somebody came in, I, like my mom or something, and was just like, oh, wow, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> guys are in big big trouble yeah <sighs> it was bad getting yeah. the calls like getting the cops called on you yeah. as a 10 year old yeah. i'm sure our parents were like these kids are gonna be some heathens <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and like this now how are they gonna yeah. be when they get older yeah i remember call i remember calling y'all on our house phone and calling you oh, on your man. house phone y'all remember house phones yeah <laughs> dude my family still have one at my at my home are you serious yeah I feel like it's probably just a bunch of like random. Oh like, yeah, it's just tele- it's literally telemarketers and like my grandparents. Yeah. It's just like so my grandparents don't have to remember another number, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. it's just like whatever. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um. But I called y'all and I remember 
asking like this was right afterwards like in the heat of the punishment and mm-hmm. y'all were like so unhappy about it. <laughs> like yeah. I, I think i don't know if i was talking to you or david it was probably david because he was one that actually david. did it but he was just like dude i gotta they're telling me that i have to pay for the for the windows and i have to i'm gonna mow the grass <laughs> so much to make money for it he was what? like i just don't know it's like i'm gonna have to pay <laughs> as a 10 year old yeah dude i remember that same time when i would get 25 cents yeah exactly I'm like, dude i'm so rich yeah dude. <laughs> exactly. i got some money and it's just like <laughs> when you're 10 your world is so small yeah so it felt like how are wow. we gonna come back from this <laughs> like, yeah it's all downhill whole life from here <laughs> over forever and of course now it's the, just a hilarious story my dad so is definitely the best person to tell this story because my grandmother, he tells the story about how my grandmother called him mm. telling them what happened. Yeah. And she like is on the phone, like getting mad that they called the cops. And she yeah. was like, I got a, I got a call from the police. And they said I had my grandson. And I said, you've got the wrong number. <laughs> so like, oh. She just didn't believe them like at all. It was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we weren't like those kids, though. I mean, like yeah, you weren't exactly. like that kid. I wasn't to like do that. known in the neighborhood as like the yeah. bad kid. I remember the guy before the cops came. He was like, "Would you go up to your parents' car and just break those windows?" Uh, and I literally thought, "Well, my parents' car's in the driveway. It's not in a junkyard." <laughs> like, <Ooh. laughs> I didn't say this. I didn't say this. You'd but be I, arrested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking like. Well, this isn't a driveway. <laughs> like, yeah. everything else here is broken. <laughs> driveway means don't throw rocks. Yeah, exactly. Junkyard means junk. <laughs> yeah, junkyard means throw rocks. <laughs> junkyard rocks. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> that's just a classic Mississippi <laughs> equation. <laughs> like, that's what we learned. I mean, yeah, that was something we were and, taught. Yeah, and we were just <laughs> sitting there in silence before the cops came. And I just remember oh, there dude. was literally like a tractor right there. And I just wanted to like make conversation like not be awkward and i was like yeah i was like so what does that do (laughs) because like what does that like gear thing do and he's he just like told me and i'm like okay cool (laughs) wow i was just like wow this is a really nice place you got like i (laughs) I think i was trying to like appease him i also remember for future reference if anyone wants to break a car window i don't do this but the back window was the hardest to break are you serious fun fact yeah the side windows, <laughs> super easy. Front, the actual windshield Why? took a little bit more, but we couldn't get the back one. Really? You we never failed. got it? We never got the back one. That's tragic. Man. It was, you know, that was probably wow. the hardest part about that whole experience was that we couldn't get the you back kinda, window. <laughs> you just feel like you never completed that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tough, but there's so many stories like that. Oh, another one, a quick one that we have to tell that's also hilarious. I was at y'all at your house. Y'all live like out of town mm-hmm. in like an unincorporated like yeah. area. And I was there for the weekend, and we were outside, like, playing with BB guns, just shooting cans or whatever, (laughs) like, shooting anything. And it started raining, so we went inside because it was, like, a thunderstorm. And I had some weird thing with my ear that I don't remember what it was, but I think it was, like, some, like, scab on the top of my left ear. And I had to go to the doctor, and they, like did something like cauterize the wound or something i don't know what it was super weird maybe it explains why i am the way i am today but (laughs) (laughs) it looked like it was just this black scab on the top of my ear and i jokingly was telling everyone like yeah i got struck by lightning while i was at david and daniel's (laughs) house this weekend and no one 
believed it except for this one person. And we had the same, it was like you, me, and David and this girl in the same class. And I told her that I got struck by lightning and you and David were like, yeah, no, it was scary. That was crazy. It was a crazy time. Y'all were like backing me up. And she was like, whoa. (laughs) And she like totally believed it. Like just fell for it. Um, and I think like a few minutes after I was like, no, I did not I just had to go to the doctor. Like, it's just like a scab. I'm what? like, you think I got struck only on the ear? Only like, on the ear. And it didn't lightning affect works? anything yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like a normal person yeah. still. Just got, like, I just got shaken up a little bit. Quick. <laughs> I just won a little strike. Yeah. I just popped a Tylenol and I was fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Dude. But there are many, so many stories. We could talk about those stories oh, only for the whole hour. But oh, dude. So y'all left, and eventually you ended up in Tennessee. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So I moved to, I went to middle school a little bit longer in yeah. Strayhorn and then lived in Sarah, Mississippi. Yeah. And then both I, very small Mississippi towns. Oh, <laughs> not even like <laughs> not a even a town. town. <laughs> yeah, I think Strayhorn's I, also unincorporated. Population so. four, and then we moved, <laughs> and it's population zero. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's really not a lot out there. I loved it though; it was beautiful, yeah. you know, um, in its own little way. But there's yeah. nothing. Yeah, there's not at a lot. All. Yeah, yeah. So, like he was telling me earlier, you know, if people that lived in Sarah and Strayhorn would drive to Senatobia. To have something to do to go shop, <laughs> like and Sinatobia <laughs> is a small, small town. Yeah, exactly. So like, for that to be like the big city that yeah. you go into yeah. to like have something to do, <laughs> it just I that don't shows. Even know. Yeah, like, think exactly. of the smallest town you can possibly think of, and then half. think of that as like the town to the, go to to shop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. It's I remember. My friend Tristan and I went up to this town called Holly Springs just to like explore. And we were talking to this one person and we told them that we were from Sinatobia. And they were like, you've got a really nice Walmart there. Oh, my (laughs) God. We're like, yeah, it's (laughs) we're like, I mean, it's a Walmart. Like, Yeah, but I've been to a lot of Walmarts and that's the best one I've ever (laughs) seen. I've had my fair share of Walmarts. And let me tell you, the Sinatobia Walmarts got a lot of redneck. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, y'all got that really good Dollar General out there. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a dollar, I swear. It's crazy. (laughs) Absolutely crazy. What a deal, man. What a deal. (laughs) Yeah. Before we get off of the childhood topic, do you remember when we lived on Bowden Street right across, like right down from uh, Sonic? Yes. We used to skate there sometimes. Yes, we did. Um, yeah. Like on roller skates. Not like cool things like skateboards. No, yeah. We would like ride bikes and stuff. Yeah. And like we had this like fort. If you went down. Oh do my gosh. This? Yes. Dude, we had this oh, like wow. fort that we made. And then one time it like flooded real bad because of like yeah. the. And it just tore everything down. We were like, yeah. oh man. We were heartbroken. Do you remember that? I don't even know what we did out there. Me it was either. just like. Just like out in the woods. And there was like a really clean neighborhood that was right. Right next yeah. to it that we found one time when we were walking. Yeah. It's like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. one of the most fun things to do in Mississippi was to go in the woods and like yes. make a place. I always wanted yes. my family to like make a cabin out in the woods of Mississippi. It's like, we got to make a place. Sounds like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> but we wouldn't make cabins. We'd make little forts and stuff yeah, out, exactly, of sticks out of and sticks and like barbarian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like the bliss of like, not having money and like not having to think about anything exactly. and then literally just making something out you have of no problems in your nothing. life. And oh man. Yeah. My I've, I've, times have changed. 
Yeah. Yeah. So sure. I remember when y'all lived out in, in Sarah, one of the times that I went out there, like David was playing drums and you were playing guitar. Mm. So like yeah. how how early did music become a part of your life? Wow. That's a crazy question. Yeah. I haven't even thought about that in a long time. Um, yeah. I mean, I was probably, I was 10 when I started playing guitar. Okay. And I took lessons from a guy in Hernando. Yeah. Um, Hernando, Mississippi. Yeah. And I was just learning the basics, you know, and I started out just one string at a, at a time, you know. But me and David, my twin, we both started playing music at the same yeah. time, you know, and he he wanted the, the drums and yeah. he, I wanted the guitar, you know. And I remember, like, when he first started playing drums, I was like, dude, that's so cool. <laughs> he gets drumsticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get these little pick things. Yeah. <laughs> that you can lose super easily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it ended up, you know... I shout out to my parents so yeah for absolutely being okay with the sound of of right. a ten year old trying to play instruments yeah like of ten year olds yeah a drum kit you know how loud that is and to yeah. be like not good at it and have to hear that all day <laughs> yeah and then like a guitar that's never in tune <laughs> I mean like absolutely shout out to my dad I was I was talking to him one time and he was just like yeah your guitar never was in tune at all. <laughs> Until for the first like two or three years, <laughs> but you know we just we knew that you know something might come of it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, we we stuck with it. You know, and <laughs> we kept letting you take lessons yeah. and stuff. And I was just like thinking about that, and I was like, how did my mom and dad like bear that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then spend money <laughs> to like have lessons have and more buy of it happen. <laughs> new more of those like new guitars. And yeah, exactly. I don't know how they were okay with that. You know, they yeah. just like. You know, have so much faith and like believe that it would be all right at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, it's just so well, crazy. How did you even get that interest in the first place to ask them, Dude, "Can I take lessons?" I I was honestly at church because yeah. I was I was watching the guys leading worship. We went okay. to like a contemporary church right, in Sanatobia, yeah. Life Point. Oh right, right, right. And I remember thinking, those guys are so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, how did. Wow, like yeah. that's so neat that they like play guitar and yeah. sing, you know. And singing never was really in the equation. I mean, I always just sung whatever and like my my parents can sing and like my mom used to sing in church all the time and yeah. um she's got a beautiful voice yeah. and um dad, you have a beautiful voice too if you're listening. <laughs> um <laughs> but I just like yeah, it's one of those things where like I just thought it was such a cool thing. It was birthed out of me just thinking that would be a cool thing to be able to do. Yeah, you know. Totally. And then it ended up turning into something that I couldn't live without. Yeah. You know, and it's just so crazy. I I loved it so much right off the bat. You know, I remember specifically one time like not playing guitar for like a whole week and being like, oh my gosh, man. <laughs> really. I think I've lost it. <laughs> it's just been so long since I've played. Yeah, it's been so long since you've missed me. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a reference Ooh, for those who don't boom, know. That boom. is the song title. Yeah, I just dropped that. On the newest album. Just dropped Yeah, just, just a little slide that in real quick. A little, little plug real yeah, a little, quick. A, a smooth little plug. <laughs> yeah, but that's so. it's so crazy that... I'm sitting here talking to you, and we're talking about the music thing. Yeah. But it was kind of getting started when we were friends... In a way, yeah. you know. Well, you uh, were talking to, uh, when we were at lunch, you were talking about how I used to make those YouTube videos. YouTube directly led into film for me. That's how I yeah. found film was through so making cool. terrible, cringy gaming videos <laughs> yes, on YouTube. Dude. So we were both at just, the very beginning. We didn't know it. I didn't know, like I was just playing video games and I just wanted to talk to people. And yeah. And you just wanted to play guitar because it was cool. And we, that's the same thing with film yeah. was like I saw people on YouTube doing game commentaries. And I was like, that's cool. I want to do it. And it was just like, a, yeah. this will be fun. And then we both wow. like, 
at you know meandered along the route of figuring out so cool. what we wanted to do. So speaking of that topic, was there oh. is there a time that you remember thinking this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Man, when do you make that decision to like I'm going to be a singer songwriter? Man, I don't know. Um, I think as far as like the concrete decision to make it like what I do, like was like a like an average thing. Okay. You know what I mean, yeah. it was like a, I mean, not an average thing. Um, just kind of I can't even think of the word right now for some reason. It just made it, sense. A gradual thing. Gradual. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, okay. it was just like, you know, I started playing guitar, um, in front of people. You know, it's yeah. just like, whoa, this is cool. And I'm like, oh, I can do this. Like, mm-hmm. this is interesting. And it was just like, I started becoming more and more part of my life. And yeah. then in high school, I would like make money from it. I was like, whoa, I can like make money from yeah. doing what <laughs> yeah. I like to do. Exactly. And then I, at one point in there, I decided I was like, at the end of the day, I want to only have to do what I absolutely love to do. Yeah. And like, I think that is just like, that's a beautiful life. If you get yeah. to do that. And luckily we both had parents that were like, do that. Yeah. Encouraged us to do yeah. that. So you know, I, they worked hard enough so that we could do that. Oh yeah, for sure. And my and we're just lucky in that sense, you know. Absolutely. My mom was a dancer, you know, growing up. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow, that's so she's cool. like an amazing dancer. And she yeah. wanted to be. Um, she wanted to be like a dance teacher. She wanted to be a dancer. Yeah. I mean, like a professional dancer, you mm-hmm. know. And like her parents were like, "No, you can't have yeah. a study job like that. You need to get exactly. a degree and something." Yeah. So she got a degree in teaching and ended up yeah. falling in love with it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah that's and good. She's just such a wholehearted person that. Mm-hmm. She can take care of kids that way, you know, but mm. she wanted to do that, yeah. you know, and her parents or really her dad in particular was just like, no, yeah, you cannot do that. Now her being in the same position as like her parents were in yeah. that time, she wants to turn that around and be like, you do that. Yeah. And my brother's in the military now and he brought that up and she's like, you do that. Yeah. You know, and she's like, if you want to go chase that, you really, yeah. You really should do that. And there are a lot of, I I feel like I hear stories about a lot of parents where like they continued the cycle of what they were told. Like you have this passion, you can't make money. So so you do this and then they do the same thing. Yeah, they do the same thing to their kids. So like to be conscious of that and like, because it's a risk to, especially with like the art world. I guess it's like a huge perceived risk. I don't think people realize how many jobs there are in the art industry. Like, so many. Especially with the film industry and the music industry. Like yeah. one, look at, watch a movie, watch the credits. All of those people oh my God. got paid to do that. You know, like yeah. look up an so album and true. look at all the people that worked on it. Like wow. these are all people that are actually, that this is their job, you know, but yeah. like when you're like, I want to be a filmmaker, then it's seem it's this idea. It's a tough world out there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like you're going to be this one off. I'm going to be doing this on my yeah. own and stuff. It's like, no, there's actually, there's concrete ways to make things happen. But of course it's just perceived as like when you say I want to be an artist, I think people just picture you on a mountain painting a landscape and they're like, how are you going to make money? And it's like, that's not, there are other no. things. And if that is your thing, then again, there are ways to do these things professionally. But yeah. like for parents to wholeheartedly support that, I mean, that's where it all begins, you know, sure. is with support from those like immediately around you. So yeah. I definitely would not be here no. doing this in any way if it was in any way discouraged. But like every idea I had, they're like, do it you know, and forever grateful for that. And I'm sure your parents were the same way, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things where in the moment, it's not like, like they said, they had hope that it would turn into something, but it's not like they were saying, 
if you're going to do this, you have to be a famous musician. It's like, yeah. no, we'll just see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, that's cool. What's the punishment for if, if it doesn't work out? Living a normal life that, every, yeah. like, that most Dude, people that is a live? really good point. That's a really it's good point. It's not like you'll be homeless if it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that like you're going to be poor for the rest of your life. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, then you just end up living a normal life. And, uh, yeah. and really for a lot of us, that's a scary thing. Yeah. Because um, I think we have this we view have this, like, as young artists that the phrase working out means getting fame. When in yeah. reality, there are a bunch of people that are working filmmakers and will never know their name, but they're making movies all the time. They're making movies. And same thing for love. musicians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So... Yeah, that's so a really cool. that's a really good point. I think it's healthy to realize that that the phrase mm-hmm. "working out" can mean so many things. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was talking to another one of my friends that just graduated film school at SCAD, and he was talking. I was like asking him about what he's excited to do, and he was like, "Well, you know, I kind of I'm looking forward to things like starting a family and stuff." And immediately wow. I'm like, "That is so different," because I'm thinking about career stuff all the time. For sure. That I that that stuff kind of gets lost in the cracks. But he was like, yeah, I want to do, like, life stuff. And I'm like, oh, right. Wow. <laughs> that is also an aspect of it. Wait, you want to do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I feel like the there's so many different things that that, that, that yeah. phrase can mean. I just ranted a bunch about that. but No, it's to, so to, good, though. <laughs> I mean, especially since, you know, a lot of the people that listen are probably creatives. Yeah, and exactly. And hear that, you know. Yeah. Maybe you're huge dream doesn't work but you're still doing something you love you know yeah. i think the biggest fear is just not doing something that you love for the rest of your life yeah but exactly but here's the thing at the end of the day that's just a normal life too you know yeah yeah and like i don't want to think about that my goal will always be just to like be the artist that i want to be but that's comforting to think about that sometimes yeah and i also think that in the pathway or in the journey i guess of trying to reach that success that we all desire you gain these skills that you can use for everything for everything at any time like you will always have the skills as a musician even if you have to end up working some kind of day job you're still going to be a musician because you're always going to be making music and playing even if i have to get some type of job in the same way i'm always going to be a filmmaker because i'm always going to be making movies so i think at the end like it's what if you just let it go to where like i didn't get into sundance (laughs) <laughs> I can't mm. do this anymore. It's like, well, if you have that attitude, mm. then that's how it's going to be. And of course, I want everyone to know that I say this in terms of like, this is easier said than done. Like I have these same uh, thoughts, yeah. you know, of Absolutely. like my film didn't get into huge festivals and I feel like a failure. Like yeah. everyone thinks that way and it's a lot yeah. easier. It's hard. It's easy for me to give this advice and it's hard for me to take it. But there's many different terms of success and I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about success a little bit later. But you end up in Tennessee and you end up going to Middle Tennessee State University, right? Yeah. And so, doing their uh, music program, right? Yeah, absolutely. So after high school, which was in Union City, um, yeah. we, we didn't really mention Union City too much, but we don't have anything to relate to on that. So yeah. it was a cool town, whatever. It was a town, yeah. <laughs> it was a Tennessee <laughs> it town. It was cool, and met some awesome people there. And, yeah. You know, got a lot of, uh, got my feet wet on yeah. stage and everything back there. Then I moved to Middle Tennessee State University. I was, mm-hmm. I went there for a year and a half. I met some of my best friends in my entire mm-hmm. life in that year and a half um, that I still talk to like all the time. Yeah. And then I make music with, yeah. I, I make a lot of music with those. Well, I still make music with those people. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and like I, I still get to see those people a lot just get to hang out with them so mm-hmm. it's cool that I, I still have that you know but it's been a year and a half since then so I would mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be a senior <laughs> right in college but I went there for a, a year and a half and then took a break but in a, <laughs> a permanent just, break uh, permanently breaking it off so um but it's been honestly the what most, was that decision like making that decision it was really scary I mean like it was super scary I just realized like a lot of it was just like distracting me from full on going in as like an artist. I don't know. I just wanted to be a, uh, I just wanted to be like in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was, I was just kind of sick even for the first year and a half of just like learning about how to be in it. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like the only way to do this is just to jump in, man. Yeah. And like, I, I always, I make sure that people know this. I think it's so awesome if you're studying, I think it's yeah. so good. And um, I totally support my friends that are still at MTSU and that have graduated from MTSU with a degree. Mm -hmm. I think that's so good. I think that everybody's route is obviously going to be different. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, I mean, like, I I got out and I was like, I'm just going to go all in here. And, Mm -hmm. um, dude, I'm going to be honest. When I I started, when I left, I don't really ever talk about this, but when I left the school, I was like, I'm going to be in the real world now. And then I found the job at, this is funny, guys, it's a cowboy boot store (laughs) um, called Big Time Boots. The company was Trail West. And I worked there for a year. And I think what I realized was that it was just another version of that. Yeah. It was like another comfort zone thing. Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, when I was there, I wasn't being near as creative. I wasn't chasing after it as much because I was really comfortable. They were paying me well. I was getting commission. I was you had a hourly. schedule. I had a strict schedule that I would pretty much follow every day, uh, every week. They, they'd let me f- flip it around a little bit mm-hmm. if I wanted to. and. But it was just super comfortable and easy. I just found it to be another version of the bad things about mm-hmm. school. It was just a different version of that. Because yeah. <laughs> it was like just a comfortable job, seeing the same people every day and then meeting new people. And mm-hmm. It's just a very soft, like warm comfort zone. And I think, honestly, as a creative, you should just be uncomfortable a good bit of the time. Yeah, totally. Um, and not uncomfortable to the point where you go insane, but... yeah. All my best ideas happen when I'm down, when I'm sad, whenever I'm struggling through something. And mm-hmm. We mentioned it a second, like earlier in conversation, when, not on the podcast, but when we were talking about like the Delta and everything. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that Mississippi that music, Delta, yeah, the, Miss- the yeah. birthplace of America's music came out of those very poor, impoverished areas of the South. Yeah, I and mean, something people ab- making music out of that and. So yeah. much, so much history there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's all because people are kind of like suffering a little bit, mm-hmm. and they have to. It's like building a tent in the woods, man. Mm-hmm. It's like creating something out of nothing. I mean, we were just designed to do that, and um, whenever you don't have any money, you're ba- barely making rent, and you're kind of struggling, but you have enough time to think about things. Yeah, you kind of start. You're like, what can I do to make my rent? What can I right. do to create? something that will fill this like frustration with like, yeah. a good thing yeah and um i'm not intentionally making myself suffer but like mm-hmm. um when i was working at the job I was very comfortable when i left the job it was scary it was really uncomfortable i, I work at i work for postmates now mm-hmm. you know to pay the bills but that's a much looser thing mm-hmm. and when i need to attend a show or i need to have a rehearsal i can just like not work that night mm-hmm. and it's made me a lot more uncomfy, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been like, that's whenever I flipped the switch and just made the EP happen and just got it together to where it could happen. I wrote a lot more after that. I've written a lot of songs since I left the store. 
I'm not asking everybody to leave their job. Yeah, well, that that story you were telling brought up an interesting question. I, this is something that I notice a lot at art school, but also just online in the young art world in general, yeah. which since that's what this podcast is like a lot about, I think this is, is like a relevant topic. I think there can be this idea that you have to suffer to make good art. Mm. And I see some people intentionally doing that. Yeah. So like wearing on their sleeve. Yeah, and and stuff like that and I mean, it's one of those things where like there are, there are some people that do it and then there's like a lot of people that are saying like hey, you don't actually have to be depressed to to write a good no. script and stuff yeah. like that. So what do you, what do you think about stuff like that? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think you should just always be down. Um I'm generally like a happy person. Yeah. Um it's just when and I don't intentionally create suffering because I yeah. I think that's pretty bad and bad for you emotionally yeah this is just giving me more time to think about the things in my life that i've gone through right and um yeah. it's just giving me more opportunities to be creative and like there's something about it's not it's a little bit of the suffering but there's something about not having a very like a super consistent schedule yeah that's really good for an artist yeah whenever things are different every day you know mm-hmm. and it's you don't know what's going to happen yeah you, that's when the juices are flowing because you're not going through the same day over and over again. exactly yeah and uh that's why like school was kind of hard for me and mm-hmm. that's why and again if school is what you're doing and you love it and you feel like it's really benefiting you do that yeah totally and if that nine to five is like great for you then like keep doing that you know mm-hmm. But uh, having the same conversation over and over again with every single person. <laughs> oh, cool. Hey, guys. Where y'all from? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. The Cubs, man. That's cool. <laughs> oh, you what want brings some boots? you guys to town? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to come get some boots. You yeah. Know? Yeah. When you're in town, you know. Yeah, gotta, oh, my God. I, I could literally do that in my sleep. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like yeah. doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I met some really interesting people from all over the mm-hmm. world, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But my creativity, I could just feel it just being like pressed in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's good to have structure for some people. For me, mm-hmm. it's good to be really loose. That's why the store has been like insanely good already. Just because it's yeah. different every single day. Totally. Every single show is completely different. Yeah. Every single city's got a completely different feel. Yeah. Exactly. Savannah's definitely been one of the most unique. Uh, yeah. Like just off the vibe, you know, compared to like those other cities, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but those other cities are also all just so special in their own yeah. way. It's just yeah. so neat. Dude. Yeah. So let's talk about the EP that puts you on this tour yeah. in the first place. You Absolutely. were telling me earlier at lunch that one of your songs was written for two years. Yeah. And uh, that was Judy, right? Judy and Tired Eyes as well. Okay, gotcha. So when you say written, do you mean like the lyrics were written? Everything. Everything. Okay. Everything was written. So when I, um, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I think I I kind of got what you're saying. Cut me off, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Perfect. Now that I know that, I'm going to do it all the time. (laughs) Judy and Tired Eyes have been written for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Judy came before Tired Eyes. Um, but I probably wrote Tired Eyes in like January of 2018. So yeah. is that two? It's, it's like a, a year, year and, and a half. half. Yeah. It's a year and a half. So th- they've been written for a long time and um, it just hadn't, the stars hadn't aligned until exactly. now yeah. for it to be out, you know, and it all happened for a reason and it all came mm-hmm. out at the right time for whatever reason. And yeah. I'll figure out what that reason is eventually. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right now it's still in the gray area, you yeah. know. But so for those who haven't listened to the album yet, which after listening to this, you definitely should. 
uh, available on all platforms. Tell me about what the album is about and some yeah. of your inspiration is for it and the feeling of it and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> can I pull up the, the thing that I was talking about with the, uh, the painting the picture kind of thing yeah exactly um, you were telling me or you were asking me to describe my brother's new music and you said in a visual yes in a visual way absolutely like do a that. Yeah. visual creator i wanted to i wanted to hear what you said but mm -hmm. this artist that i played with blaze lawrence moore he's great he's such a good singer dude mm -hmm. and he's got these groovy songs man. yeah but i met him in nashville he's a super sweet guy but um before i went on he's like can you describe your songs to me before you go over, but in like a visual way. And I remember being like shocked, but I remember my answer pretty well because I'd never like thought about that before. Yeah. But it's basically like think of yourself as like a kid playing on the playground, enjoying life, and then you fall down and you like bust your knee open, mm -hmm. even though your day was quote unquote ruined. <laughs> the moment of in the pain made everything so much better. It made it memorable. It, mm -hmm. And you don't ever want to make that happen again, mm -hmm. uh, but you're okay that it happened. Okay. And you accept that as part of your life and it's something that you still enjoyed, even though it was hard. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> that's basically how I describe this EP mm -hmm. is that like a lot of it is about a relationship. So it's like about like, you know, that heartbreak, mm -hmm. even though it was really the heartbreak is hard. You're not sad that it happened in the first place. Is writing songs about difficult things cathartic? Is that a way I to would, get over it? I would not say over it, but deal with it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> sometimes it's it's a way to deal with certain emotions. Sometimes it's just a way to um, create an outlet of creativity. You know, I I love writing songs that I've, I've taken like a little moment and just ex completely exploded it and made it mm -hmm. like its own being, and then it's not even about that specific thing anymore at all mm -hmm. you know I, i'll get inspired by like one thing and then just completely fired off into like something different mm -hmm. you know and then it, sometimes it's not even about that at all anymore mm -hmm. you know but well if we want to go like in the list of track orders they're all inspired in, in different times and different moments in my life mm -hmm. and feeling broke i wrote based off i know i keep talking about church but <laughs> i was in church and the preacher said he had a radio up on the stage and he was going back and forth between the different stations. And he's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we just feel like there's static in the radio line between you and God. You know, you're saying something, but the words just aren't coming out mm -hmm. right. And I was like, that is such a good line. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I love that. I immediately, I wrote it down in like the little bulletin and I went home and wrote Feeling Broke in like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. And the first line of the song is feeling like they're static in the radio line, trying to make it clear, but the words always come out wrong. Yeah. And I just kind of got into like, just thought of all these things that break and are mm. broke, you know, are broken. You know, like I'm like a car that just won't start, you know, it's mm. broken a record that just can't turn. I got mm. it bad. I'm feeling broke, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I don't know why that's what came out of me, but it was just, I honestly, I wrote that in a, like I was working at the boot store and everything. Mm. And like, I wrote it when I was like, felt like I was just kind of like going through um, the motions or whatever. And mm. I was just kind of like, or not, or whatever. I just felt like I was just going through it and I was just going day by day. Just not, I didn't feel like myself. Yeah. I didn't feel like that was me at the boot store. It was just a persona that I had to turn on. I felt broke. I felt like I was like a record that couldn't spin record. I, I feel like I was a record that couldn't be played. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like all these things that have a very distinct purpose and have a meaning in their life, like a candle that just can't burn. 
it's just like the purpose. I kind I felt like I couldn't even do that purpose at all. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like just broken, you know, I felt like I couldn't do that, you know? So mm-hmm. that song just kind of just poured out of me really fast. Cause mm-hmm. it was just something that I'd been bottling in. The reason I don't get cathartic about that is though, is like a, a way of dealing with it and making it something physical that I can touch seeing it for what it is Mm -hmm. you know it's really not that scary after you put it into a song you know Mm -hmm. especially an upbeat song like that you know but when you put it into a song you can like kind of look at it and be like what do i want to do to change this Mm -hmm. you know and i just feel like there's so much power in declaring that you don't feel right yeah and just saying you know like i got it bad i'm Mm -hmm. feeling broke like i literally i just feel so wrong right now Mm -hmm. and it's so if you're feeling that way it feels so good to say that Mm mm-hmm you know, it's just like, yeah. it's not good to bottle things in. But. Yeah. Whenever you're writing lyrics to a song, is there anyone in your life, or do you do this at all, write it out and try to get feedback on it? Because when I'm writing a script, I'd give it to as many people as I can because yeah. I want feedback. But I think lyrics can be more, I guess, less critiquable. Like, what's mm. your process, um, I guess, is well, the I have qu- a underlying lot, question. I have a lot of songwriter friends, so um, okay. they, in a sense, all of them can be critiqued. When I wrote Feeling Broke, um, my roommates were out in the living room and I was like, yo, I just wrote this song. Oh, what? You were literally <laughs> just in your room for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. He was like, is it the one that you were just playing? I was like, yeah. He's like, I thought you were learning that song. <laughs> I <was laughs> nice. Like, I kind of was, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I feel like it's the same way with scripts. You're just mm-hmm. like figuring out what the story is. It's already been written. You're just yeah. writing it down. Yeah, exactly. You get what I'm saying? Like, totally. It, well, it's already been created. You're just writing it down. Yeah. Um, but I came out there and I played it for them. They're like, oh my God, that's so good. That's so cool. It's so different than what you normally write. Mm-hmm. Cool. So right off the bat, I'm feeling good about it, you know? Yeah. And then I'll show it to some more friends. We have this thing called Amp Rights mm-hmm. um, at MTSU, but I still go to it sometimes because mm-hmm. I've got a lot of friends there and I'll just pop over and like, it's not like SCAD where it's like super tight security. That's yeah. super cool. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, I don't know. I felt we were breaching in. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's hot coming undercover. Yeah. We had to get you approved and everything. <laughs> you go into the music building at MTSU, you just walk straight in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what's up, Daniel? <laughs> you know, and um, some people are confused when I go on campus. Right. Uh, you don't do you, go here. <laughs> do you yeah. go here? Yeah. You know, but uh, it's basically a songwriters meeting and we mm-hmm. all share our songs and we get feed- we direct feedback from like 15 people. Typical. Oh, okay. And then people can be like, oh, I love the part about this. Or like, oh, uh, what if you said this instead? That wasn't mm. cool. I don't like that you got really loud right there. Or I don't like that you yeah. got really soft or whatever. I have like some people that I send stuff to. And yeah. Obviously, my girlfriend is like somebody great to send to. Yeah. I can just be like, hey, what do you think about this? You mm. know? And she'll be honest with you. Yeah. She's super honest. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> a lot of times doesn't like my sad stuff. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So she's like, why are you always so sad? Yeah. I'm not sad. Song. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. Uh, but she understands that now. It's cool. Yeah. You know, of but course. She's, it's great because she's not a musician, so I can show her stuff. And I love getting non-filmmakers opinions so on scripts. Good. It's a very, because you get very different feedback if I send a script to yeah. a filmmaker versus just a friend. You yeah, know, it's a so very, cool. very cool, different perspective. Yeah. So what is the through line that connects all of the songs on Tired Eyes? What I didn't realize was that it was when I was writing them, I wrote them all again at different times. I was writing them all about like this character singing to this other character. Oh, and, okay. And, um, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't know. Some people get turned off when it's like, it's not directly about your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like it ends up feeling like, one character you know and this character she could be named judy 
because mm-hmm. the, the the second track on the EP is called Judy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of introducing the person. I'm talking about it in a songwriter's perspective, you know, but it's cool to hear how people interpret it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've just written this story somehow that is all like somehow intermingled. Mm-hmm. Uh, not intermingled, but it's just all like intertwined somehow. It's like progressive. So it's like feeling broke. Something doesn't feel right. I mm-hmm. feel like I can't function right. And then it's like, hey, Judy, I'm not the guy like you mm-hmm. need to be with. Let's let's not do this. And mm-hmm. then in the story, they end up getting together. But in Tired Eyes, he's like, I'm sick of singing love songs with you in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sick of singing love songs with Tired Eyes. It's just like, I'm sick of being in this now, Judy. Like, mm-hmm. get out. You know, interpret however you want to. Mm-hmm. And then um, if I'd known, I wrote, can I tell them about that real quick? Yeah. Just like my producer called me. Sam Killian, shout out to Sam Killian. He's such a talented dude. If you're a musician and you need a producer, Sam Killian is a man. Mm-hmm. He called me and was like, hey, you know, we were talking about an instrumental between Tired Eyes and it's been a while since you missed me. And it, you just don't seem like the type of artist to do that. It would be a little strange to your fans and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Um, he's like, "What? do you have any like half written songs that you want to add to it um, that would like bring it together you know mm-hmm. like a minute and a half long song i was like oh, not really i was like let's I'll, I'll go dig in and see what i can come up with or see what i can find and um tomorrow morning we'll go track something at 10 o'clock and he's like sounds good that night at like two o'clock in the morning i wrote um if i'd known mm-hmm. and it's just a verse and a chorus and then this huge instrumental i brought it to him the next day i was like this is what i want to do you know and we went kind of like a little more creative with this one and we just kind of like made up the song as we went along as far as like the music and like the layers go we added the vocoder and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff dude. <laughs> and um it ended up turning into like its own song mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it brings up a point in the story that hasn't been brought up before then you know mm-hmm. and it it says you know if i'd known what i know now i never would have even kissed you Mm-hmm. basically just like laying out and like the damage of it all and just like mm-hmm. looking at the fire and being like if i would have known this was going to happen i would have never even started this mm-hmm. and then it goes in this huge instrumental and you can interpret whatever that means but i don't want to say what it means mm-hmm. in my head because it could be something else mm-hmm. and then it goes straight into it's been a while since you miss me which is like the wreckage of it all and he's just reflecting on like it's been a long time you mm-hmm. know and now i don't even no, you don't even miss me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, it all flows together pretty well, in my opinion. Um, I can say that because we've, we've worked on it for so long. Yeah, how does it feel to have it out? It's like... Your first one. Yeah. I, I mean, like, the singles and everything were fun, but it feels so good to have a full body of work. Yeah. That somebody can just hit play yeah. in the beginning and listen to it all the way through. It's how like it's having, meant to be. Yeah, it's like releasing scenes to a movie <laughs> yeah exactly without the whole context exactly you know it's like yeah. it's like finally i feel like people can like see the story and people can interpret whatever they want to mm-hmm. you know and if they want to apply to their own life that's so cool you yeah know? hopefully they do that you know because if totally like, you know the art is there and it's meant to be taken however they want to take it so yeah i'm just happy that it's in a full body of work to interpret it all together mm-hmm. rather than just random songs here yeah. and there, you know, and I'm hoping to, I'm writing a lot right now. Yeah. I just wrote two songs 
last week right before I left that oh, I'm cool. feeling so good about. Awesome. So I feel like already I'm writing the next EP mm-hmm. and we're going to like knock it out real quick. Yeah. Since we got the process down. And nice. Everything. How does it feel knowing that every month 22,000 people <laughs> listen to you on Spotify? And I don't, and I truly don't mean that. I don't want you to like flex on people, but seriously, no. that is a huge accomplishment. Thank and you. What's that like? I appreciate that. Um, it's weird, man. Because that, I was doing the math earlier. That's almost three times the current population of Cenotopia. Just, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. Oh my the, God. the current population is about 8,000. So you're almost triple. Almost triple Cenotopia. <laughs> wow. I'm really proud of that one, man. That's a big deal. That's how Spotify should do their stats. It's just how just many Cenotopias. The, how many Cenotopias are you? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Like, Ariana Grande would be like. <laughs> 5,000 Cenotopias. Exactly. Or exactly. probably more than that. Yeah, however but, many it is. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I mean, like, it's weird, man. And I don't normally talk about it just because, um, so it's interesting that you brought it up, just because, like, a lot of the people I, I know also, like, have numbers like that, too. So it's just, like, course, a normal yeah. thing. Yeah. I've accepted it to be a normal thing, and I've accepted it to be, in fact, a low number at the end of my career. Right. So I'm accepting right. it to be... Oh yeah, well this is cool and all. Yeah, but it's gonna be so much more than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I I know it will be, and I I and I don't say that out of like big headedness because mm-hmm. I'm not there right now. But yeah. my future self is gonna have a lot more than that. But it's an interesting feeling knowing that these songs are being played by people from all over the world. It's crazy to think that "Put Me in the Ground" has been played that many times. Yeah, and the other songs have gotten that attention too. And it's mm-hmm. just weird because when you write a song and I mean, Put Me in the Crown was written in a stairwell with Austin and, and Sebastian. Yeah. It was written in a stairwell before mm-hmm. an open mic night. Really? I mean, after an open mic night. Okay, yeah. That's I so mean, cool. like, it wasn't, it was meant to be heard by more, but it wasn't intended to be. Right. You get what I'm saying? No, like, absolutely. It was supposed to happen. Yeah. But um, I think the most rewarding thing, like, I am a big numbers person. I check on the podcast stats. Yeah. All the time. And as I told you earlier, yeah, like actually we just recently broke 1,300 total listens. So huge thank you to everyone that listens. But the numbers, like it's it's obviously like a a stat that you pay attention to Mm -hmm. and it's um, cool to see, but it's hard to solidify that in any way because like 1,300, 22,000, like it becomes arbitrary kind of when you're thinking about like, I don't even know what that number looks like, you know? Uh, Yeah. The biggest compliment I get is whenever I hear people say that they have memories associated with listening or consuming what I've done. I have this one good friend, Tessa, who I know is listening, and we actually just had her on the podcast last week. But she tells me the story of when she heard the podcast on a trip in Ireland. And and she was like, yeah, I was just getting ready for the day, and I just turned on the podcast. And, like, podcasts are obviously less emotionally important, I guess, than, like, music or film because it's just two people talking. Just knowing that something I made is like someone has a memory of it because I associate memories with movies and with yeah. music, like hugely with music. Absolutely. Like I remember driving around the back roads of Cenotopia, listening to like my brother's music, listening wow. to E Double, George Watsky, like it these can dig people. Up those memories, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that will always be yeah. the biggest compliment. Yeah. But I have so much so cool. respect for you for doing it for like completely independent mm-hmm. without the backing of a studio so are you hoping to sign with someone in the future are you trying to leave that door open what are your your feelings on being an independent artist um i think it's really great to be an independent artist um in the sense of like 
you get all like you own everything <laughs> yeah, yeah like you own your songs you literally own the songs yeah and that's a big deal you know um but i mean like we record all this stuff at my buddy's house mm-hmm. like literally everything was recorded at his house in murphy's pearl yeah <laughs> and it sounds like it was recorded at blackbird you know mm-hmm. i don't want to say that and people be like oh really no okay. but yeah yeah but to me like if the producer is that talented it's gonna sound like whatever producer you know whatever building you're in it's going to sound really good you know yeah so it's nice in the aspect of just like friends getting together making music and there's Mm -hmm. something so special that's always going to sound better that way um when something's manufactured by Mm -hmm. people that you've never met before it starts to lose the personal connection so Mm -hmm. i feel like there's something really special about making music with your friends yeah and um and working with your friends you know to like get everything together but Mm -hmm. i will say it it would be nice to be signed for the reason of, and I wouldn't mind being signed to this, like a smaller label that yeah. is just wanting to help out, you yeah. know, or like having a tour manager would be <laughs> so nice yeah. or like a manager manager yeah, because exactly. like, um, that takes up a lot of my mental capacity that I could be using for creativity, mm-hmm. which is a bad thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not meant to. I'm not a very organized person, but I have mm-hmm. to turn on that switch to, I had to turn on the switch to book this tour. Right. Um, and that was a scary thing. Just going in, having no idea really how to do that. Yeah. I, um, I certainly wouldn't know how to start that process. Yeah. At all. I just like thought about it for a long time and like asked a couple people and, um, asked around for leads and stuff and then mm-hmm. finally got one and, uh, got an idea, not got one, but <laughs> I got one, but I uh, got a tour. <laughs> it's not that easy, but it's just like every single group of people and every single city and every single like venue is, it's so specific and so mm-hmm. important and how to like get in the mindset. I'm emailing a person right now. I'm DMing a human being who has a life and loves what they do. Um, I'm, I'm messaging this. I'm like calling this person. I'm, I have to think about this as like, these are people and these, mm-hmm. their life is just as important as mine. And I can't be a random entitled artist that is mm-hmm. trying to play in a city that I've never been to before. Mm-hmm. So I have to like come in humbly and be like, Hey, I'd love to do this. Mm-hmm. And if this benefits you guys as well, let's do it. You know? So learning that was hard. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. But, my point is, if I could somehow have somebody else doing that for me, spending all the hours emailing and DMing and, like, doing all that, that would be a dream, man, mm-hmm. because it's hard. And there are some <laughs> some moments in the tour that weren't supposed to be how they are, <laughs> but just ended up as they are because I really still am learning what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, the Colorado thing that I was telling you about earlier is just... Can I tell them about that, too? I'm yeah, absolutely. That. I mean, I, I've i got a show on the tour. You can tell them whatever you want to tell them. <laughs> well, guys... If they don't want to listen, they can stop listening, but <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> please stay. Please stay. <laughs> um, so I've got a show in Springfield, Missouri with this super talented dude, Brian Bolger. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, <laughs> he's insane. He's got beautiful music out on Spotify. But um, we follow each other now, mm-hmm. and we just kind of, like, appreciate each other as artists, you know? It's just a super cool little thing. And uh, we've got a show together on the 20th of this month, and it was supposed to be on either the 19th or the 20th. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever. And then I'm playing in Denver, Colorado on the 21st, <laughs> and it's eleven hour, an 11-hour drive. <laughs> Um, and the show in Colorado is a so far sound show and it was, you know, it's a weirder one. So it's at two o'clock in the afternoon. 
the next day <laughs> between an 11 hour drive so i'm gonna be in springfield and then play watch my friend play and then drive 11 hours and then play mm-hmm. and hopefully go to sleep <laughs> yeah but i'm gonna be up for longer yeah. than 24 hours and I, I have to drive to springfield that day too to play that show and then oh, drive right. out yeah it's a oh, five-hour man. drive from the from union city so oh wow it's gonna be insane but anyway it's just stuff like that where if i had a booking manager she or he would have been like are you sure you should do that mm-hmm. how about we figure something out yeah <laughs> you know but to me i'm like oh that's fine <laughs> totally <laughs> And no, while I'm going to totally be driving through the plains of Kansas <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be like, this is not fine. <laughs> That's a really good point. I think part of being a young independent artist is that you just say yes to stuff like yes. that. <laughs> like, I've worked on movies that have gone way too late, and then we have yeah. four hours of sleep, and then we have to do it again. Yeah. But it's just, I've. You know, it's just what it is. I love that aspect of it. Like, yes. as as destructive <laughs> as it can be, and as like seemingly dumb it can seem, yeah. I love that naiveness of being a young artist. Of like, yeah. I got this opportunity, and I'm I'm gonna do it. I can't I'm gonna drive I, twelve I hours, and I, it's gonna be bad for my body, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to drink a lot of coffee. But like, that is the fun of it because I think I get to do this. Yeah, just the just the idea that we get yeah. to do what we do, and because I think that that yeah. thrill can kind of get lost whenever you have these quote unquote luxuries of like, well, my tour manager is figuring out, and like. Like you said, that'll yeah. free you up to do more creative stuff. But like, just the idea of like bootstrapping it yourself—like I did this tour yeah. myself. <laughs> it feels like, good, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I do this. I produce and edit this podcast <laughs> totally on my own. I so much time. Uh, but it's also fun to see the people that help you throughout Absolutely. that process because, like, uh-huh. my friend Andrew, who was uh, on the podcast recently with my other friend Cody, he has his own podcast, um, Savannah Presents, and he lets me borrow equipment. He'll let me record in his like little makeshift studio that he has. Mm. And like when I was starting out, like I didn't know where to host the podcast and stuff and help me out with that. So I just love doing it yourself and finding people and being like, Hey, can I crash at your place? <laughs> you know? yeah. Just like so cool. making it happen, I think is, is super, and there's so, yeah. super cool. And there's know? so many like sweet people that yeah just want to help. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, Throughout that process, you meet the nicest people. So cool. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even whether it be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like produce this for you or I'm going to mm-hmm. like do this or, um, yeah, you can totally sleep on my food time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which thank you for that. No by problem. The way. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you know, it's just like there's so many people that want to help and uh, like help you do what you love to do. And mm-hmm. that's, um, that's, those are the people that, you know, are always going to be around. You know, that's yeah. just, it's just cool to like, feel that love you know all the time you know whenever you're doing what you love to do and like yeah you're feeling the love from the people that want to support and then you know you get to love on them whenever they need it you know yeah but yeah it's a lot of a whole lot of love yeah it is (laughs) i've I've got one more question and then we're going to dive into um, some user submitted questions which by the way if you'd like to submit questions for our next guest follow tungsten originals on instagram Links to all of Tungsten's socials and Daniel's socials are in the description and mine as well if you want to give me a follow. But before <laughs> I ask my question, I'd like for you to retell a story that you told me at lunch and it was uh, the music video story because I think yeah. that's a really, oh my really special moment and yeah. I think people would be interested in hearing about it. Yeah, so um, there was this day a while ago that I was just like, this is when we just had Put Me in the Ground Out. I was laying in bed and I was just like, 
it was a really rough day. Um, and it was not like anything in particularly bad had happened. It was just like, I was just feeling down. It was just not a good day. And I laid in bed. It was real late. I couldn't sleep. And I was just like, man, this is, I'm just kind of going through it, you know? Mm. And, um, I get a notification on Instagram that says, Jesse and James mentioned you on your story. And I was like, I don't recognize that name. <laughs> um, but let's see what it is. And I clicked on it and it was like two o'clock in the morning, by the way. <laughs> and, um, she, she said, it's finally out and had like these dancers like beautifully dancing in this full production video. And I was like, why am I tagged in this? <laughs> and I turn it up and I hear my song put me in the ground playing while they're dancing to it. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I click on her profile and she's in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I'm just like, what <laughs> and i click on the link in bio you know and i click on it and it is a full production beautifully choreographed beautifully shot video of these people dancing to put me in the ground and i am like literally in tears i'm like how mm -hmm. did this happen like it was i literally was just like crying i was like this is insane mm -hmm. i was just freaking out it's two o'clock in the morning i had a bad day but this is just completely turned it around like, this isn't even real. Like, there was a part of me that was just like, I'm asleep right now and I'm having a dream. So I naturally, like, messaged her and I was like, Jesse, like, this is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is so beautiful. Like, wow. Like, thank you so much. And she, like, screenshot it and, like, posted on her story. It was like, oh, my God, the artist from the song that, like, is in this video just messaged me. He saw it. Oh, my God. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> she's like, this is crazy. And she messaged She's like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were going to see it. And I was like, you tagged me. What? What did you think would happen? <laughs> I was like, I'm, like, fangirling over you. you. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is crazy that you think it's crazy that <laughs> I think it's I don't know. It was just a weird chain of, like, whoa. Yeah. I was just so honored that somebody so talented would make a video over my song. And, yeah. Um, without you asking and without yeah, just without, on their own. She told me that the song inspired the dance and that's why they made the video wow and uh, it wasn't like they had made the dance mm -hmm. and then they found a song found a song it was like they she heard the song and she's like i'm gonna make a dance for that and that I, my mind was just blown but yeah the reason it came out at two o'clock in the morning is because they were in a different time zone <laughs> right. Um, right they're all the way over there on the west side of mm -hmm. the u.s mm -hmm. so it was like 12 o'clock yeah. at that time. Yeah, a more a slightly more reasonable hour. <laughs> but she's so talented, though, Jesse and, Jesse and James. But um, I put the video on my YouTube. I'm not trying to promote it at all. I just want you guys to see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, like, absolutely gorgeous. I, I asked her, I was like, can I put this on my YouTube so more people that, like, look me up can, like, find it? Mm -hmm. She's like, absolutely. That would be an honor. You know, she just had it on a Vimeo thing. But, yeah. Um, it was just Absolutely insane. But, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that you said was, you know, that's a, that's one of the biggest compliments you can get, you know, to inspire other art forms with your art form. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah that was just so insane. I, I just, I still remember that feeling just being completely out of breath and not knowing what to say and mm -hmm. just being like, how on earth did this, how yeah. did we get to this point? Right. From the stairwell to yeah. a full production music video and um, freaking... Utah, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. just crazy hearing 
just hanging out in Tennessee, and yeah. all of a sudden you get a notification from Utah. Yeah, about that. But uh, I love crazy, that story. So, it's a weird story. So since writing those songs two years ago, to releasing the EP, to yeah. starting this tour, yeah, what have you learned about yourself as an artist? Wow, since writing them, um, I learned that I am not doing this for me as much as I am for the people that are listening now, hopefully in a healthy sense. Mm-hmm. I'm creating art because I'm an artist and I that's literally something I have to do. Mm-hmm. Like I have no choice. If I don't do that, I'm going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like I do that because that's my duty as a human being. You know, I continue to make art and like try and get it out there because there's people that want to hear more mm-hmm. and there's people that enjoy it being an artist of any kind is a really strange thing because it's like, it's about you in a sense, but mm-hmm. it's not for you. Like I don't make music for people to be like, wow, Daniel not only can sing or write or whatever. I make music so people can feel an emotion that they needed to feel mm-hmm. or wanted to feel in a moment. You know, I make music so they can tie memories to it. You know, mm-hmm. and I make music so people can like feel things. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I learned that through all that, you know, and because that was when I really started playing out and like playing in front of people and everything when I started writing those songs mm-hmm. and having that out now, it's just like, hey, here you guys, this is for you guys. Like mm-hmm. I I could, I could just sit on these songs for the rest of my life and I'd be right. perfectly fine. I'd be content with that. I, I record this so you guys can hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for your sake. And for your listening purposes, not for mine. You're right. Because you could just play guitar and sing it yourself. I could do that all day long. You don't have to do all the BS of having to coordinate yeah. recording and stuff, you know. Yeah. And um, in a sense of like an artist, that's what I've learned about myself. And I'm sure that there's some crazy things that I've learned about myself that don't have to do with music. But mm-hmm. but that's one thing. I just want to make sure that I am thinking about the fan and thinking about the friend that listens and like thinking about the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a sense of like, this is something they want and could like, in a sense, like change their life, even if it's not very drastically. Mm-hmm. I had this really sweet friend that I used to do like fair show with that, uh, which was like this, this thing in Union City <laughs> fair show at the fair. <laughs> it's a big venue. Oh yeah. <laughs> we were popping, man. But anyway, um, she told me that 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 put me in the ground, helped her through her move, you know, mm-hmm. and a really hard time in her life. And um, getting messages like that, where it's like this, like helped me. That changed somebody's life, even if it's just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like that's my goal. I want to be able to change people's life and help people out just through that, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, I'm doing that in a short scale version right now, but I want to continue to do that and make it a bigger thing. And that's why. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to reach as many people as I possibly can, mm-hmm. but not for the sake of like being famous or being recognized. I just want people to be able to make memories because mm-hmm. of the music that I make. Yeah. I just totally agree with you about that when mm-hmm. you're talking about the Ireland thing mm-hmm. and like sitting the, waking up and just like starting your morning by listening to the podcast. Yeah. That's so crazy. It blows my mind every time. Yeah. And I'm sure there's other people that are doing that too. That, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. somebody's making their commute right now. You know? Oh yeah! Oh wow! That's crazy. So, <laughs> it's like you know. That's why traffic's you do it. not bad. Whoever's driving, yeah, <laughs> wherever man. you are. <laughs> hey, learn this. My friend Sebastian said this the other day. He also does Postmates. He yeah. 
I was getting really mad because I got over in this lane, but I couldn't get all the way over, so I was stopping traffic behind me because this one lady had 10 feet in front of her, but she wasn't right. getting up. Yeah. I was like, I need you to get up. And I almost went to honk, and he's like, stop, dude. He's like, you can't drive two cars at once. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's true. Dang, dude. I wish I could drive every car once. People, yeah. people frustrate me That'd be me stressful, so though. Yeah, it would. But... If you're in traffic right now, you can't drive two yeah. cars at once. Just you're only in control of yours. <laughs> <laughs> this we're is like coaching people yeah, through chat. Yeah. yeah, this is this has become like a driving advice. Start of the person podcast. eating their cereal yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I love that you're all about the people, and I took some questions from um, some people that followed Tungsten, and you you got some questions from some of your, cool. your followers on Instagram. Again, I do this for every guest. I ask people to submit their questions because I like to see what other people have come up with. We're going a little bit long, so we'll do these a little bit quickly. Okay. Um, the first one is uh, from the lovely Hunter Hill that was recently on the podcast. Hello, Hunter. He says, has he met any celebrities and also tell him I like his glasses? Hunter <laughs> likes your glasses. <laughs> Thank you, Hunter. That's so nice. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> I have met some celebrities. Um, I met a few when I was at the boot store. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> this is a really popular area in Nashville. Yeah. Um, I met the guy, lead singer from Kaleo. I'm a big fan of those guys. Yeah. So I was like shocked when I saw him. I can't talk too much about this, but he probably won't get around to him. <laughs> um, I met Scott Bruschetta, which is kind of crazy to me. Wow. Um, I can't talk about why because I signed a thing. Ah. It's like the punishment is like half a million dollars. <laughs> so my yeah. name is not Daniel. <laughs> if you're listening, Scott. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to meet him at this like little secret like thing that I, I this sounds fake no, because no, I can't talk fine. about it. But just whoever's listening, please believe me that it's true. <laughs> um, I believe you. And there, there's a couple others, but I honestly, it's just gotten to the point now where it's kind of like normal to see somebody like that in Nashville. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, because it's like the spot where everybody, like where yeah. all those people are. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm trying to think of somebody else. That's a pretty good list. Yeah, I mean, those are just a couple. Like, yeah. nobody like Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift or anything. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. They um, have people buy stuff for them. Yeah, that's exactly. where they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe you've sold shoes to Taylor Swift. You just don't know. I might have, yeah. We'll never know. I guess not. <laughs> I got another yeah. question from Caleb Knight, a good friend. He says, What slash who are his biggest inspirations when it comes to writing music? Mm. Also, what are some songwriting tips for beginners? Songwriting tips for beginners. That's cool. That's a good question, man. You know, really, the I guess people that I'm inspired by are the people that I listen to all the time. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the Avid Brothers. Yeah. They're just, their approach to songwriting is so different. They just kind of tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. um, I love Ben Rector. Um, I love the way that he sings his songs and everything and the way that he writes them. It's so mm -hmm. cool. John Prine, obviously, is legendary. Mm -hmm. But I also love, like, old blues stuff, too. And mm -hmm. I love, like, B.B. King and, like... I mean, I just love everything. Yeah. But as far as stuff that has influenced my music, I mean, the Avid Brothers are strong in that. Henry Jameson. I don't know if you ever listened to him before. I haven't. I'll check oh, him out. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's insane. He is just so visual. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so important when it comes to storytelling is just paying the picture and making that so visual and, like, being able to see what's going on mm -hmm. and then hitting you with a line. Like... He's got this one song where he's talking about, um, he's like, and I always thought the north side felt like a seaside town with its open skies. And it's like, oh, what does that have to do with anything? Mm -hmm. It's like, you're talking about a seaside town with mm -hmm. its open skies. 
and then the, gets to the bridge after he's been painting all this stuff and he says all day i did not know if we'd break up or i'd propose mm. and it, you just get cut yeah. like straight in the heart because you're like you're in the story mm-hmm. right like you've you don't like you have like become part of the story you're like seeing everything and you get the context and then he throws a line like that and it just cuts so deep mm-hmm. but as far as like tips for songwriting everybody has their different way they go about it mm-hmm. sometimes I re- a line pops in my head while i'm driving but a lot of times lines will come up just because i'm telling i'm just writing whatever i'm thinking mm-hmm. and then like there's a chain that goes off where it's just like a chain reaction that goes off where it's like you write one thing and then you write another and then another mm-hmm. and another and you're just literally writing whatever is on your brain and then you come up with a line that like really cuts mm-hmm. it's been a while since you missed me that that line like hit me when i was just writing whatever and i was just Mm -hmm. writing like this visual stuff and then all of a sudden that line appears out of nowhere but my thing is and this is what people don't get and it's so simple if you want to write you have to write Mm -hmm. you get what i'm saying if you want to write you have to be writing something down i know that sounds so dumb just write whatever you're thinking and then you're going to be inspired by something Mm -hmm. and something might come up and that right where you're like whoa where did that line come from Mm -hmm. you know and but the main thing is to sit down and write Mm -hmm. even if it's nonsense it doesn't matter it just write something down and then something crazy will come up Mm -hmm. and then you can write based off of that that's at the end of the day that's all it is man i like that that's good advice hannah faith said what's your absolute favorite part about making music uh i think my favorite part is the feeling Oh, one of the greatest things is like the feeling you get when you know that you write, you wrote like a great song. Yeah. And I'm sure you get the same thing when you totally. write a script, you write a story. Absolutely, yeah. You're like, that's one. That's that's yeah. a story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. You know, that's something that I can like show to people, you know. But that feeling of writing a complete song is just like absolutely amazing. Also, the best feeling is like playing songs for people. I think that's one of the most amazing things just knowing that people enjoyed what you created mm. and like seeing it real time mm-hmm. you know it's like being in a movie theater whenever like people are watching your movie and just like watching it happen and then seeing people's reaction and like seeing how people like literally physically take it in i think there's something really special about that mm-hmm. but it's Bay on Instagram, uh, <laughs> interesting uh, username, says, what is the one event that has to happen in your life to say that you've, quote, made it? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I can't, like, completely pinpoint that because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you never know what when you've really made it. But, I mean, like, I was saying, like, the Red Rocks, playing, like, the Red Rocks Amphitheater would probably be, like, a huge milestone, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you got to be pretty big to be able to play there, but... I'm not saying like opening there. I'm saying like headlining there. Yeah. You know? Or maybe like you open, and like I feel like I would make it if I'm like, if like one of my favorite artists right now opens for me. <laughs> right. Totally. totally. You know, um, totally. it's one thing to open for somebody and I feel like you're, oh man, so on the right track and like getting it, you know. But I feel like even opening, being an opening act is still grinding it out, you know, yeah. even if it's for an artist that you love, you know, you're still like trying to make it. But if you can get to the point where an artist that you love is opening for you, mm-hmm. That's the dream, you know. Yeah, I or, think I think the phrase "making it" is very arbitrary. It is, you know, yeah. because the people that, I mean, I go to like actors, like, just to use the the hugest name, Tom Hanks, 
made it forever ago, but he's still making movies. Yeah, still making. You it. know, so I feel like I I used to perceive making it as like a finish the line. End. Yeah, it's not. It's not. You're like making it, not. Yes, it's like exactly. You haven't made it. Present tense. Yes, you're making it. Yeah, um, and you're always trying to make it. You know, but success is pretty um objective. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. I can make it in a sense uh, for one milestone and then make it for the next and then make mm-hmm. it for the next and the next and the next. But making it to me might be having that truck that I can afford to drive around and like <laughs> you yeah. know, like my one of my dreams is just to be able to like have like an old Ford truck that I can just drive around and like not have to worry about gas money and just yeah. cruise and listen to music, you know. Um but that doesn't have anything to do with music. That just happens mm-hmm. to do with success. So I think it's all really relative. And mm-hmm. um, there, there is no such thing as like, I've made it. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. it's just, you're always trying to make it. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Anyway. This question is unlike any of the, of the questions that we've had today. Caitlin asks, would he rather be locked in a room for an hour with a thousand mosquitoes <gasps> or one wasp <gasps> the size of a dog? <laughs> And you grew up in Mississippi. Uh, you know that the mosquito is the Mississippi State before. Bird. <laughs> the Mississippi State Bird. Uh, I think I've probably experienced a thousand mosquitoes thing before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to be locked um, in a room for an hour with either oh a thousand God. mosquitoes or one wasp <laughs> the size of a dog. Let's say the size of like, let's say like a medium sized dog. Like a okay. like a big beagle. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, how big is the room? Oh, good question. Is it like a gym? Well, let's say, let's say or like the studio say, right now. Let's say like like a like a let's say like ten by ten. Oh a, my god! A storage god, that's unit. So bad. Should we do bigger? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I like that size. Okay. Because then it gives purpose to a thousand mosquitoes. Because yes. a thousand mosquitoes in a gym would be like. Something I've experienced before. You know, I think the key thing is that it would be very hard to kill a wasp the size of a dog. A thousand mosquitoes, it sucks, but you can, one hand swipe, you're taking out at least 20. For sure. You know? Oh, God. (laughs) This is such an uncomfy question. By the way, guys bringing the mosquitoes? No. (laughs) (laughs) Some guys just walk in and start (laughs) dumping them. (laughs) So which one do you want? Yeah, exactly. I need a firm answer right now. Um... (laughs) We've working with the scientist and we made a wasp huge. Like, well, uh, I don't like this podcast anymore. I'm uncomfy. If it were a thing where they were about to open the door and unleash whatever it was, I think, oh my God. It has to be a thousand. If it's a wasp, mosquitoes, man. Ah, that wasp is so bad. Yeah, I mean that that'll kill you. It'll stab you. In that, that that's and like neck, death. Dude, yeah, I like, mean, like a, a thousand mosquitoes. It's really annoying. Dude, You're gonna be that, itchy for a while, but like the stinger is the size the of your head. The stinger would just go straight through my entire body. <laughs> I mean, like think about how aggressive those things can like go yeah. into thing. If it was like after me, oh my god, dude. Yeah. Now I, I'm holding the <laughs> He's door holding shut. The door, yeah. I, I, I want to make sure that I don't have a thousand mosquitoes just roll in here. No, that would be terrible. But I yeah. think I'd prefer that in an hour. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'd have you, the right clothes on to like. Kind yeah, of yeah. Maybe you cover. can have like like music on so it goes by quicker. <laughs> <laughs> what music should they play? Something the Flight really... of the Bumblebee, absolutely. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> that would just make it so much worse. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be terrified. Exactly. On repeat, yeah. dude. Yeah, exactly. Well, God. thank you everyone for submitting your questions. Like I said, come back each episode. And uh, I like to do that for every episode with our guests. Do you want to plug some of the tour dates that you've got coming up? Sure, man. Um, so I am driving to Union City, Tennessee. Um, that is my high school hometown. Yes. I have so many different hometowns. Yeah. I don't know where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. That is like where I really started playing music out live. Um, I played at bars and churches and like events. So that's like where I got my feet wet on the stage. So I'm going to be playing at this bar that I used to play at all the oh, time cool. as like a, Hey guys, I'm home kind of thing. Yeah. So that's on the 18th of um, July of July. Yeah. These okay. are all in July. Um, and then on the 20th of July, I'm playing in Springfield, Missouri with Brian Bulger. And then on the 21st, I'm playing Denver, Colorado with So Far Sounds. You can find tickets on their website for that. Um, secret location, secret time. Um, super cool thing, though. But if you're in Denver, that would be so sweet. 21st of July. And then I'm playing in Austin on the 23rd of July. Um, really awesome little venue called Hole in the Wall. Yeah, Apparently, I saw on your Instagram you put hole in the wall. And I thought yeah. you were trying to say this is a hole in the wall, but oh, it's literally no, called, it's hole called hole in the wall. Hole in the wall. <laughs> and apparently, like Stevie Ray Vaughan has played oh, wow. there, and like a bunch of people like that, um, have like kind of when they were getting their start, used to play at that club. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of honored to play there. Yeah. Um, shout out to my friend Nordista Freeze that like linked me up with um, the Howdy Gals, mm-hmm. and um, I was talk. I've been talking back and forth with Belle, and she got me hooked up with that. But nice. It's gonna be awesome. And then I'm um, driving back to Memphis. Or Hernando, you know. Yes. You know the name of the yes. town. I know, right? It's so it's refreshing. It's so nice. <laughs> Hernando's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes north south of, of, of uh, Cinetopia and same thing south of Memphis. South of, yeah. yeah. So um, that's where my dad lives. So I'm going mm-hmm. to stay with him and hang out with him and hang out with one of my friends, Sam. Um, and then I'm going back to Nashville and playing, closing out the tour on the 28th at this place called Betty's Grill. It's like this super cool like dive bar it's like old school in there i got like the black and white checkered grounds you know floor and uh yeah it's gonna be awesome man. that'll be the day before my birthday yeah be the dude. which reminds me the podcast that comes out before my birthday will come out on the 27th so uh not this uh, this episode but the episode after we're doing something cool my friend Haley, who has been on the podcast before she's very funny is going to take over hosting the podcast for that episode oh, cool. and she's going to interview me so if you have questions for her oh, i'll put her yes. instagram in the description and she's it'll be a, a fun time and she's gonna like do the intro and everything like oh. she's yeah so i figured that'd be like a fun birthday thing Dude, so if you yeah. want if you want that i will i will be taking a break from hosting but i'll obviously still be on the podcast but that'll be fun but yeah and if people forget your tour stuff your instagram you're posting about it mm-hmm. um all the time so you've got the dates there and check out the ep tired eyes wherever you listen to music and share it with people uh, spotify as people know has a really cool thing where you can share it directly to your stories um that is the best way to help out independent artists like us is to just share it with people mm. that's a that's a very yeah. Very big thing. So, yeah, Daniel, thank you so much for doing this. It's been so much this has fun. has been a bunch of fun. I'm excited to have you on in the future when you're playing Red Rocks. Oh, yeah. It'll be a fun time. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Instead of our typical outro, I'd like to leave you with a live performance of my favorite song on the Tired Eyes EP. This is Judy by Daniel Nunnally. Thank you.
Woke up a quarter after twelve I closed my eyes and went back to sleep I hear you knocking at my door You always wanted just a little more Judy Judy, can't you see I'm half the man I need to be? Judy, Judy, can't you see You're not the girl for me? I know I came to you that Stormy night We both know That it wasn't right mm -hmm. I got big dreams And I got big plans You just want to watch the sunset While we're holding hands But Judy Judy can't you see I'm happy I'm a mess I'm insane I got too much on my brain I freak out when I fall this I'm off the wheel and I'm Judy. <laughs> Sick, man.